this evening, before I get too far, I'm going to preach about, as they talked about in Sunday school, a brother in Sunday school, it's wonderful. You're missing it if you're not here for Sunday school, because it is a treasure. I've been to a lot of school colleges, and you've got a first-class Sunday school. You do. You had a good one last time I was here, too, but this one is better. He gives more, uh, the Lord uses him to give more information. You can go the rest of the week trying to figure out what he was talking about. <laughs> but he did say, and I want to touch on it this evening, uh, he mentioned there's some things you can't do in heaven. And uh, we're going to talk about one of those things this evening. And if you want to find out what it is, it's one thing you will not be able to do in heaven. And if you want to think about that this evening, you'll find out what it is. I uh, like the book of John, and your pastor was in the book of John, and he's been preaching through it. Well, I'm going to go back a little bit, because the message I, I, I want to present it's in the book of John, John chapter 4, Go to, no, John chapter 3. We were in John chapter 4 last time we were together in the Sunday morning. I want to go back a page to John chapter 3. And John chapter 3 is one of my favorite chapters of the Bible, but if you listen to me long, you'll find out I say that about everything. But John chapter 3 is the very chapter that I had preached to me when I was a young man, wondering what the world was about. And uh, it was later on, as I contemplated on that message, I accepted Christ as my personal Savior. Even though it was written about a lady, and I was real macho at the time, a young man, and you've talked about young men uh, being macho, I, I could identify with that lady. She come to Christ, and the outline for the message is, the lady wondered, the lady uh, wanted, and the lady went. Those are the, that's what we're going to look at and what the lady did. The Lord used her tr tremendously there in John chapter 3. And uh, I want to set, set it down for you just a minute before we, as we get into it. John chapter 3, let's look at it here together. And we're going to start in, no, it's John chapter 4. I said 3. John chapter 4, verse 1. When therefore the Lord knew not the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and departed into Galilee. Then we go on to the lady and the Samaritan woman, and he meets her down at the well. The well, Jacob's well, in verse 6. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being worried with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege to look into your word this morning and to uh, come thirsty. Let us have something to drink. In Jesus' name. So he's before this lady and a Samaritan woman. And you've got to know a little bit about the, the atmosphere of the day. The Samaritans were looked down upon by the Jews. They didn't get along. A little bit like the Palestinian relationship the Jews have with them today. The main reason they didn't get along with the uh, Samaritans, though, was 
the Samaritans were actually usually half Jews, Jews that were from the same ancestry as the, the people that discriminated against them, but they had married out of their ancestral bloodlines. They married the Samaritan uh, and uh, intermarried with them and accepted some of their ways and some of their beliefs. And one of those things was, you can go back to biblical history in the tribe of Judah, uh, they took and separated from the Jews and worshipped in a different temple. Uh, eventually then, as Jerusalem became more and more prominent as a place of worship and as a place of commerce, uh, the Samaritans gravitated there and the tribes were reunited, but the Samaritans stayed separate because they weren't allowed to participate in their religious ceremonies and their sacrifices uh, in the temple because they had polluted themselves by worshiping uh, on Mount Perez, G-E-U. You'll see it written here in a minute. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. And the other reason she didn't quite get along with the ladies is it wasn't considered proper for a man to address a lady. Just wasn't. I went to, uh, I, I have a friend I went to Bible college with, and he's a Laotian. Uh, Hmong, and he pastors the biggest Hmong church in uh, the nation here, which isn't saying a whole lot because there's only two big churches. There's only two churches, one in California and one here in uh, in Minnesota. And so uh, I came to his church. I says, you got a big church? What kind of church is it? He's talking. He rents this huge church. And uh, he says, oh, we only have about two or 300 people. And I says, well, that's all right. And I get there, and I get there, and I look out over this crowd, and there's thousands. But see, in his culture, they only count the men. That's how the Hebrews were at this time in their culture. The men were, were where it was at. They had to, the, the community, the people had to survive, and a lot of times they put men, and they counted the men, the children and stuff, that's why you read in the Bible sometimes about they talk about how the uh, how the there was kids that people in uh, what was that Nineveh and uh, they couldn't raise their right hand or didn't know the right from the left. That's all about the children, and so uh, they didn't count the children much. And so when Christ addressed this woman having a place of authority, he was condescending in the apostles' view to talk to her. Now, Christ didn't, didn't, wasn't prejudiced. You, can, you know that. You can, you can see that from Scripture, and right here is one of the examples. But the other example is he wasn't only condescending to talk to a lady. He was talking to a lady of ill repute, and he was also talking to a Samaritan. So he was really cutting through the cultural barriers, the cultural lines, to talk to this lady. And so they stood back and marveled. So you can see where that was and what's going on here. And uh, therefore cometh the woman of Samaria to draw water. Now, women often drawed water. And the thing you got to remember about drawing water is this was a humble job, a, a place of servitude. And I'm going to conclude this message with who are you drawing water for? And so... She was in a place of servitude and humbleness. And that's why when you read and hear the Easter story and you hear about the guy 
who was carrying a water pot and told the disciples that there's a mule and you need to go get the donkey and, and all this stuff. It was unusual for men to even be seen around where they draw water from. And you can, you, that goes back many, many years in culture. So we have the picture of Jesus talking to a lady and asking her a question. And that's why she gets so excited or gets so despondent or whatever you want to say. She gets alarmed for the disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou being a Jew askest me of me, which am a woman of Samaria? There's a question right there. She, she hits Jesus. I said the woman wonders. She asks him three questions. For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knowest the gift of God and who it is that said to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. And I remember hearing this message and getting alone in my room. Uh, it was a hard thing to do. I was uh, the oldest of seven children, boys. And I didn't, uh, I didn't uh, quite understand where God was. The religion I was brought up in always had to earn what you got. And it was summed up with works. And at the end of your life, God was going to weigh out whether you're good and outweighed the bad. And I says, this sounds a little bit like she got a free lunch. She got a buy. And, you know, she, she obviously wasn't, as we'll read, wasn't at the top of the pay scale, so to speak, as far as earning her way to heaven. And I says, how did that happen? And I got alone with God, and I says, give me that living water. Wash me and make me clean. And you know, I was, like I said, the oldest of seven boys in the house, and uh, it was hard. But I cried, and I was washed, away my sins and nothing could make me whole again you know the story but Jesus washed away my sins now I'm warning you I'm going to ask everyone of you if I ever linger here very long when you got saved and how now you've I've answered the question to you and I got right with God then I I prayed and asked Lord come into my life to forgive me for my sins I couldn't name them all I didn't know I was supposed to anyway and I didn't think I had to and I asked, and I still don't think you have to. And I said, Lord, come into my life and change my life. Wash me from my sins. Give me that water that I might never thirst again. And you know, he's given it to me. I've been all over the world since then. And I have not gone thirsty for Christ. And if I have gone thirsty, it's because I was afraid to ask. All I had to do was get back with him. And the Lord showed me Psalms 51. You go to Psalms 51, and he'll wash you and make you whiter than snow if you want to renew your spiritual life. And I've had a chance to do that several times, too. And so what I want to bring you to your point today is the realism of God reaching down to each and every one of us to wash us from our sins and cleanse us and to make us whole again and to lead us through life. As we take those steps through life, he will help you each day. You know, when I was a kid, we took a bath once a week. And I always asked my grandma, because we went to grandma's house to take a bath, I suppose, because she had the biggest tubs there. And we uh, we get in that tub, you know, and 
we'd have to wait for her daughter, to, our auntie, to take a bath. And then we'd have to wait for dad, mom to take a bath. And then all the cousins and stuff take a bath, whoever happened to be around grandma's that Saturday night or afternoon. And then we took a bath, and that water was gray. And I'd ask my grandma, I says, I says, how do I get clean in that dirty water? And it smells. She says, you'll smell better after you get in and out of there. And I did. It cleansed me and made me whole. We all need to get clean once in a while. We all need to get cleaned up. And the Lord will take care of that in our lives. He starts with this woman here. And art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well to drink thereof? And his children and the cattle, and Jesus, Jesus answered. I'm in verse 13 of John chapter 4. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up unto everlasting life. You all got everlasting life if you've accepted Christ as your personal Savior and ask him to come into your life. And as they talked about in Sunday school class, you get sealed by the Holy Spirit. It can't be taken away from you. Once you're wet, you'll get dry, but you still can always get wet again. And so Christ talks to this woman, and the woman said, Give me this water. I said, I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Do you know what water weighs? It weighs about eight pounds a gallon. If you're carrying a five-gallon bucket, which those poor ladies carried a lot bigger than five-gallon buckets usually, it was usually a 10 to 15-gallon container or at least two five-gallon or seven-gallon containers. I've seen the poor little ladies in Africa. They put it up on their heads, but they're all real tall. I can't figure that out, how they keep getting taller with that bucket on their head. Yeah. I like to tease short people. Do you know why they're short? Because uh, it says in the Bible, the wicked shall be cut off. <laughs> so, oh, some people can take that. Some people can't. They're not very spiritual. They're not very tall. That's why they can't take it. Yeah. <laughs> so, the woman wondered. She asked him three questions. The second, the, uh, last, the second question was, uh, Hast thou that water? And the last question was, uh, give me this well unto everlasting life. Three questions. And then the woman saith unto her, unto him, saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst, neither that I could come hither to draw. Jesus said unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. Okay, there's one thing God wants from you. One thing that will get you saved. The real Requirement to salvation is to be honest with yourself and honest with God. The word truth is written in my Bible, big capital letters right there. And I always think of Pharaoh, or not Pharaoh, uh, the Roman emperor, and how Jesus came to him and he said, What is truth? And truth was standing in front of him. Jesus Christ says in John 14, Six, I believe it, or no. I won't, I won't go there. Yeah, 14.6. It says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He's the truth. And to get introduced to the truth, you're going to have to get honest with yourself and with God. A lot of people 
can get honest with God, they can get almost intimidated with God, and they'll break down. And be, but a lot of people don't get honest with them, themselves. I was working as a prison guard for a few years, and uh, I was an institutional aide. I had to interact with them to tell them to be an example to them of how to lose a paddleball game, for instance. <laughs> it was fun. I got paid at that time probably 17 bucks an hour to play paddleball and pool and all kinds of things with these guys. It was scary, though, when they lost. <laughs> the, uh, the thing they tell you to do, though, when you counsel or talk to these inmates, and it's supposed to be a sounding board, but I had to report everything to the state, had to write it all down, and was there at their parole hearings and all that kind of stuff. The thing they tell you is the person has to get honest with why they're there. I never did it. You know, nobody's ever convicted of a crime that's innocent. Uh, well, that's guilty of the crime, let's say. They're all innocent. And as soon as they admit whether they were guilty, excuse me, whether they were guilty or innocent, as soon as they'd admit, they were on the way to heal. As far as the state was concerned, and as far as God's concerned, you need to get honest with yourself. Isn't that how it goes? We have to admit we're a sinner. This woman, he asks her, he confronts her, and he says, go get your husband. Pretty simple, straightforward. She could have trotted off and says, well, you know, I'll go get Jim, or whatever his name is, you know. Jesus said unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, He knows. Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands. And he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that sayest thou truly. It's one of the first times the word truly shows up in the New Testament. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. He knew the truth. Our father worshipped in this mountain. Now she's getting to spiritual things. And remember I told you about the mountain? And I could spell it to you. I'd tell you what it is in Greek or Hebrew and Latin, but it's a mountain. It's what it is. And uh, our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and they say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. She jumped right from, he, she, she, she knew she couldn't fool him, and she got honest with God where she was physically. So after the earthly realm of her life was exposed, she jumped into the spiritual. We talked about uh, Nicodemus, and you'll see about him. He was all hung up in the next chapter. He was all hung up on earthly and had trouble jumping into the spiritual, and Jesus Christ had to tell him, you must be born again. And so this woman is now into the spiritual realm of her life, and this is where you have to get honest. Where are you spiritually in your life today? Are you dirty? Are you, have you ever been washed? Have you ever been saved? Are you living the life you should be living? Are you dealing with God on an everyday basis? Are you trying to be the person God wants you to be? That's all he wants. 
My grandma just made me jump into that tub. She knew I'd get cleaner than I was outside of it. God wants you to jump into the tub, whether you're saved or not, and keep yourself as clean as you can. You know why? So you can be a witness and a testimony of others about what he can do in your life. You know, I, I, I want to be found guilty of being a Christian. If they were going to come tomorrow and start arresting Christians, I got no problem with registering at the, at the uh, courthouse saying, yeah, I'm a Christian. I want to be convicted of being a Christian so that when I stand before the man who made me, the creator who made me, I will be washed of anything else that took place in my life, and he'll be proud of me, and I'll be one of his, and I'll be washed and given that water for eternally. Okay, but the hour cometh when men to worship. In, okay, let me keep reading. Ye worship, ye know not what ye, what we know that we worship for salvation is of the Jews. Now, this would get into a long, complicated story, but if you ever, uh, and if you want, I can drag you through some of the verses. But in Luke, Jesus Christ tells the apostles not to go see the Samaritans because the gospel was written to the Jew first and then the Gentile. And that's what Jesus Christ is trying now. It's the time in his service and the time in his uh, mission here on earth to break through that barrier and give himself to, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him. And he tells you about that in the next chapter, chapter 4, I believe, or chapter 3, verse 16, in the last chapter. Get to my chapters mixed up here. But when he's talking to Nicodemus, and so he's before this woman, and he tells her all things she knows, and he says, the hour cometh now is, and when true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, and seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You know if you can get to church on Sunday. You know if you need to be in church on Sunday. You know if you can, if you are right with God as far as what you're doing with your life, your spirit will be with his spirit. I talk to a lot of pastors all over the country, and one thing you'll find out when you talk to pastors, sometimes God gives them a discernment of spirit. And a lot of times, you know, before the person opens his mouth that's in front of you, whether he's right with his maker or not. You have that same advantage if you're walking with God. You know before the guy takes out his gun and says, stick him up, you're in trouble. Your spirit isn't joined with his spirit. So God wants us to worship him with our spirit, our testimony, our countenance, our livelihood, our being. He wants us to worship him with that and with truth when it all comes down to truth. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know 
that the Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto thee am him. Did I say it right? Yeah, am him. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman, yet no man saith, said, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith unto the man, Men. Kind of interesting there. I got written in my notes here, and we're almost done. I got written in my notes. Uh, how did I put that? Well, maybe the Lord didn't want me to say it. <laughs> Amen. Probably said enough. Uh, I said, I, oh, I said, the woman went, the men listened, and the apostles prayed. That's when I got down. Uh, they were worried about physical things again. But is this not the Christ? They went out of the city and came to the men. She came to the men. Why did she go to the men? We just talked about how, you know, women weren't supposed to address men in those days. And if you read the book of Psalms, you'll find out why, what kind of women usually addressed men. And uh, she was living in a derogatory state. That's all she knew was the men of that town. She was very familiar with all the men in that town. She was very truthful with all the men in that town. She could be very truthful with all the men in that town. And so she went to the men of that town. And the men, that explains a little bit why when they came back, and we'll look at that this evening, why when they came back, uh, they said, we found out in our own minds. Because they had to get truthful with themselves because they knew a prostitute. And so she told them. And she went. Let's all stand. I just have to get used to things a little bit, how they work. But I want you to stand and think for just a minute. We talked about truth. We talked about this poor lady that had some very sad circumstances in her choice of life. She wasn't much of a testimony. She probably knew more of the men in the community than the ladies, I'm sure, shunned her. But she got right with God. She was right with all of mankind. I don't go with the, the philosophy that you've got to be right with all of mankind to be right with God. It's the other way around. Because if you had to be right with all mankind, Jesus Christ would have never been crucified. So she was right with her God. Didn't matter what the men thought after that. Didn't matter what the ladies thought after that. Didn't matter her social standing in the community. She had something that they needed, and she was willing to share it. Are you? Are you? Now, maybe you're not as unfortunate as that poor lady was, but you are as fortunate as she ever was in another sense. You, if you've accepted Christ as your personal Savior, why don't you share it? I know a fellow that, and I think I told you this story once already. You've got to know it because you're going to hear it, and you'll know it's true because I keep telling you the same story. Of a guy, he's a deacon in a Baptist church. That's how I like to start it out. 
And uh, he was a dope peddler, all messed up on drugs, all for his wife was leaving him. We finally got through a set of circumstances. He got right with God. Preacher picked him up along the road. He showed up at church late, had a fight with his wife in the parking lot. His cousin who was in the church drug him in after the services, and they explained salvation to his wife and to him and to his children. He had two, a little boy, a little girl. And he washed himself whiter than snow. He let God blow he cried tears. There's a puddle in that floor of that church I could take you to today, as big as a garbage can lid, where he bawled his head off and stained the floor. All the chemicals in his body and the salt in his tears stained the floor. It was a wood floor. Hadn't been sealed. And now when his friends call him on his phone, that's all he had was a cell phone to his name, he says, they go, hey, you got anything? We got, we're looking for a good deal. And he goes, do I have a deal for you? And he tells them about Jesus. And they either get right or they don't call him back. Do you have that kind of courage? That when you see somebody in need, that you have the courage to give them that water that you're carrying. Or are you busy carrying water for the governor or the uh, boss man? And you do have to carry it, but you're also carrying water for God. You have something that can cure any disease to a degree, and a, the cure for any disease is death, you know that. <laughs> you have something that can help anybody. Are you afraid? I seen a lady the other day at a copy co. This was a couple of years ago. I say the other day. She was walking in the door, and she had no hair on her head. little girl hugged me the other day with oh, any hair on her head up I well past. Okay. Uh, she's walking in the door, and I could tell God told me that lady's struggling. And I came up to her, and I said, excuse me, ma'am, are you a warrior? And she had tears running down her face by this time. She was in a lot of pain. And uh, she said, yeah, I guess. I says, you're suffering, aren't you? You've got some problems. Let's pray. That's it. Left. I went my way, and I thanked her for being patient with a bald old Baptist preacher and left. You need to have that attitude. When you see somebody, you'll see them. On the corner, along town, somewhere, God's got somebody he's going to put on your heart in the next few weeks, the next few days. You need to offer him what God wants, what's God given you. Or maybe you just need to take a bath so you can be in a position that somebody might recognize you can help them. And they'll ask you. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege to look into your word today. Thank you for each and every soul represented here this morning. If there be someone here this morning that hasn't accepted you as their personal Savior, that needs to be washed in the blood, that needs to be clean, that needs to be refreshed, somebody this morning that just needs to get a bath, Lord, reach down and touch them. I know they'll commune with you and you'll commune with them. 
As sure as your son died on a cross for our sins, I know he'll help each and every one in this room. Wherever they're at in their spiritual walk, may you bless them and give them courage to help and encourage others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs>